Baxter Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. In this episode, Baxter and I interview Paul Medell, the elk nut. He's one of the most experienced elk hunters that we've gotten the chance to interview so far, and he talks all things elk calling, all things elk hunting, and really knows how to speak their language, and so there's a lot of wisdom in this episode. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Paul. Welcome to the Baxter Bowman podcast. You are one of the guests early on that when we first created this podcast, we were like, man, it would be cool to get the elk nut on. So we are. this is a very exciting day for us. So thank you for, for being here. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. Yeah, of course. So my first question, I just want to jump right into it. I know you've got just so many years of wisdom and knowledge. I've heard you on other shows and um, just love the enthusiasm and passion you bring. My first question is for someone like me who's I'm a newbie. I've been. I only went on my first elk hunt last season. Um, for a total newbie, if there was just like one simple tactic, one must-learn item, what would it be? You probably get this question a lot, but just like for me every, time. <laughs> <laughs> every time, every um, time, learn how to call. <clears throat> That's what it's all about. I mean, you have to you you have to uh, understand. Uh, the variety of sounds uh, that elk make and 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 i'm coming from this standpoint as an archery hunter as someone who's going to usually hunt the last week of august or all of september and all of october so thinking about you know that time frame uh, uh, it, that was the game changer for me was was not just making elk sounds it was understanding the sounds uh uh that the message is being sent with whether it's a cow or a bull and so for me know how to call don't be intimidated not to call don't listen to a lot of people that say you can't call here and you can't call there because all the elk are call shy and they're that way for a reason it's like saying i'm gonna go golf and this guy goes whatever you do don't use a driver don't do it because you can't hit straight but you can work those things out and once you understand your style and the driver you're using and everything, you can start hitting it straight. But if you're not willing to work on it, they're right. You're not gonna you're you're not gonna accomplish anything. So it's the same with calling. When it said when I say understand elk sounds and learn how to call, you need to know what each sound represents to the elk that you're going to use or one that you're hearing. So that was the game changer. Uh, for us was 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 delving into the elk sounds and and this should be something everybody that archery hunts wants to do you know you really should because that's part of the deal it's not all just open country where you're going to spot and stock mm-hmm. you know there's going to be some calling that's going to be necessary that because the different sounds will not only send your voice out there that there's a new kid on the block or there's another elk out there but you can also get elk to react or to use sounds that require assistance. And so once you start realizing those sounds have a meaning and a message being sent, you'll see the interaction becomes much uh, uh, more obvious to the elk. And believe me, they will answer. I don't care how many times they've been called to. So that's the biggest thing. Man, learn those elk sounds and don't be afraid to use them. People don't use them because they have no confidence. They think they're going to run everything off. And why? It's because they don't practice and they don't know what a certain bugle sounds like to an elk and what it means. Same with the cow talk. Same thing. If You know, I've said this a hundred times. You look at the, the, the success rate 
And the success rate is under 10% for most of us guys that hunt over the counter. And yes, we hunt draw units as well. And even those can be lower for guys who don't uh, want to put in the work. And, 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 and once you do, you'll find that that 8, 9, 10% success rate can be elevated. But what's so funny is, is most every one of these 92 or whatever percent is, which is hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hunters, they all know how to call. When I say call, they know how to make elk sounds. So mm-hmm. why aren't they successful? It's because that's all they're doing is making elk sounds. It's like saying I'm a golfer and I have a bag full of clubs, but I don't know what to do with them. But I have it. Why am I not a good golfer? And so it's the same with the hunting. You can't just walk out there and make a bugle and a cow sound and think elk are going to run you over. I, I wish that was the case, but it's not. The, it's really not the way it is. And you're you're probably learning that yourself. You can get them to respond or say something back sometimes, but that's just the tip of the iceberg you haven't really accomplished anything as a new hunter it's exciting to hear something respond to your calls and you're like whoa this is great but you're not killing them they're not coming into boat range so see that's where you have to know how to apply that groundwork and understand the emotion and the tone behind the sound evaluate it break it down and see what they're interested in so anyway it's it's all about elk sounds for us you know for our style of hunting Gotcha. So cool. And uh, and this is Baxter, by the way. But you okay. know, I think one of the big anxieties when for me when I started out hunting and a lot of these guys too is you. Um, let me let me preface this by saying both Josh and I have your app and love it, and we'll get into all the stuff Paul offers here at the end, which is amazing, amazing amount of resources. But you, one of the anxieties is you go out there and you you're gonna go fail and you're not gonna you know, maybe you have two or three encounters a week, right? And so do you really wanna? kind of spend your chips on trying to figure out the calls how would you how would you talk to someone who only gets that week in the woods and say you know this is the best way to learn learn elk calls I mean, obviously your materials but is it videos is it going to a you know a unit and listening to them in the fall like what you how did you learn too well you know not everybody has that luxury not everybody yeah. lives in elk country so my goodness it, it, that that would be great to be able to listen to the elk firsthand. And so these days, you know, we have the Internet. It's easy to jump on YouTube and to look at all the different elk videos that are out there. And, and at first, all you're doing is, is seeing hunters call. You're seeing elk come in. You're hearing the exchange of elk sounds and the communication. And, and it probably doesn't really mean a lot to you. And and the reason for it is is because you don't understand the language and really that's the mm-hmm. bottom line and 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 so once you start breaking it down and you start learning the variety of sounds that a cow makes and the message she's sending with each one now it starts to you know you 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 have an understanding of what message she's trying to send or ask for does she need help is she trying to ask where the other elk are is she trying to call other elk to her and it's the same with the bull sounds all they're doing is changing the tone and emotion. It's guys like myself that put a name to these things. You see, it, and, and, and that's what you have to understand. The elk don't understand it like that. The elk don't look at it like I'm saying this, I'm saying that. They're more looking at it like your dog. Your dog will have a growl, a playful one. He'll have a mean growl where something's wrong and you can tell there's a difference between those two. And it's the same as if he starts whining. You can tell if he's hungry. Mm-hmm. He just wants to play. One wine doesn't represent everything. He has different tones for it. Mm-hmm. And so once you start understanding, elk have the same thing, their type of so-called vocabulary. And 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 and, and th- I learned this because of the fact that I lived in elk country. My goodness, it's probably been at least 37, 38 years ago now when I started delving into it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would go out and sit with the elk. 
you know, like this time of year, they're just starting to come in and follow the snow line as it melts. And I would go out there and I would just sit. They didn't know I was there. Or, I mean, they, you know, this is all public land, over-the-counter stuff. And even though there's no hunting seasons right now, they still only tolerate human behavior to an, an extent. They accept it more now than they will in September. But it it, it allowed me the the luxury of being out there with them and listening to them and watching them and hearing them. And, and I mean, they're conversing. They converse year-round. It doesn't make any difference. It's just that when the rut picks up, their their vocabulary picks up big time the bulls mm-hmm. especially but you'll hear right now you'll hear the cows bugling and stuff and it's because the bulls aren't with them for the most part you might have a little dink around it spikes and this and that as they're starting to get in their horns back but but they're still communicating they're still talking they still mm-hmm. have the same desires as when in september desires meaning to communicate and to direct the group that that's with them. And, and and so when I started going out there and listening to all this cow talk mostly and watching the cows bugle, why do the cows bugle? The same reason the bull does. She's just filling the role because the bull's not there. So she's the kingpin. She's the herd cow, so to speak. She's mm-hmm. the one that's directing traffic, keeps them together. Well, when the rut picks up, that lead cow is no longer the head honcho when it comes to vocalization. She can still lead the group, but she no longer talks anything like she was. The herd bull will take care of that. And he now is the one directing traffic, so to speak, or trying to invite new cows his way or looking for, for cows if he doesn't have any or keeping you know uh, uh, intruders away, meaning other bulls. I mean, you see, so it's a whole different thing. And it took me a long time to understand this. There's no doubt that I was probably one of the first guys ever to start breaking down the elk language because mm-hmm. I remember my first video came out about one year later. I heard of Chris Rowe, which is a, nothing wrong with him at all, but he started delving into it as a game biologist. I came out as a nobody. You know, I just started doing this because there was something about it that excited me, but mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to to be anyone special i was just it was for my own personal use and one thing kind of led to another but but by being with the elk themselves that is where i started to learn the language and started to understand but please understand that it took me years to get uh uh, anywhere to where i started understanding that there was something there it Mm -hmm. was a long time and then as you started understanding that everything came together much quicker and now you know we've enjoyed so much success and being able to go anywhere, there is no situation, and this isn't a brag at all, but this is just how confident I am in understanding everything that's going on out there. But there's no situation I will be in, none, I mean zero, that I don't know what happened, why it didn't work out or why it did work out. Not a mm-hmm. one. And it's because I understand all the emotional tones they'll use and why they, why they glunk, why they pant, why they'll moan. You see all these different things. They, they, they give these little things, the chuckles, the grunts. They do it all for a reason. And so once you started putting all this together, it was just like I was talking with them. And they're mm-hmm. talking with me. And this is how we take so many over-the-counter bulls. I, I, I'm, I would probably be safe to say that we probably take more than anybody. I don't think there's anybody on earth that takes more elk than we do on over-the-counter bulls because we hunt them every single year we've taken 209 and at this point and this is in 31 years Mm -hmm. and so and 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 so you know the numbers speak for themselves that you imagine how many callings we've had (laughs) way more than that because you just don't kill every elk and so so 
a lot of things can take place though. The shot angle brushes in the way. Maybe the wind caught you, uh, you know, uh, uh, off guard there. The way they came, you didn't think they were. So y- you have all these things that can happen. But so many times you'll hear guys, I don't know what happened, or the else just aren't aggressive yet, or it's too hot, or you, you got all these excuses, and that's really what they are. They're not the solid reasons. So what it really amounts to is they have no idea what, meant, what went wrong. They have none. So they throw all this out there, seeing if something mm-hmm. sticks to the wall. But once you start dissecting it and you start understanding, and that's why I try to help people to cut that learning curve down is to, you know, the high tech technology that we have today. You know, people have families. The kids want to play in sports. Uh, there's just so much in the way that – to say I'm going to go hunt seven days in a year or eight or nine, and then I'm out of elk country for the rest of the year, they need as much help as they can get. They really do because they're probably forgetting most of everything they learned and then coming back again 360 days later. And, it, and mm-hmm. so it's hard on them. And so I started to understand and appreciate that. And so that's when I started coming out with all this information of instructional, not Look at what I did. Look at the one I killed here. I don't care about that. I'm trying to teach them so it's something they can sink their teeth into and re- refresh their memories, you know, as the season approaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's incredible stuff. We can both vouch for that for personal experience. And I'm, it's really fascinating with that. Uh, You're talking about the years and making the investment. That's been one of the themes Josh and I've had here, which is don't you know, a lot of guys go out and they want to have success in year one and two. But it's building for the long haul, right? Like if you really love elk hunting, it's going to be a decades long passion. Um, so really want to dive into that you're talking about, about tone. You know, obviously there's what you're saying and then there's how you're saying it. But, you know, if you're, if you're encountering an elk and you can, you, by now you've got this ability to understand, hey, this is the tone, right? It's, it's a happy, it's sad, it's I want you here, you know, whatever it is, right? <laughs> That's you're, a good way to there. put it though. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But so with your you know, is it more important in your mind to hit the right type of call or is it the right tone? And when you go with that tone, do you start with the, try to match their tone or you kind of throw a few out and see what they respond to? Like, how do you break that down? Well, first of all, what's what am I trying to do here? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, let, let's uh, uh, you know, you're it's that's pretty generalized and <laughs> it can go in any direction, but mm-hmm. you need to be much more specific. You, you know, you need to be more exact, like this is what's happening or this is what I need to try to create because I'm not hearing nothing for three days. Zero. What kind of sounds can I maybe use that will have elk come in, whether they come in silent or whether you get them to engage? And so that's how you have to look at it. It's like so the first thing you need to do. Anybody, everybody that's an elk hunter. And I don't care. I have guys that get in touch with me that have hunted elk anywhere from 25 to 50 years. And after they see and we talk sometimes or they went over the information, they're like, I cannot believe how much I don't know. That's incredible. I've always been a guy that sat in a tree stand or I did a bunch of spot and stock or I did some cow call and the bull came in, but I don't know what the heck I did. He was there. I'll take it. You know, it was that type of thing. And so once they started understanding each elk sound, that's the key right there. Mm. Understand each sound. So you say, okay, it's been three days. I haven't heard nothing. Maybe four days. I'm on a seven-day hunt. I haven't seen an elk. I see sign, but I don't hear them. Nothing. They're not saying anything. How can I bring something in my way because I'm hunting more timber? 
if I'm hunting a lot of open country, of course, you're letting your glass do a lot of walking right there. The glass is your key factor in those situations. But when it comes to hunting a lot of dark timber, which is my absolute favorite, it's you need to understand that if nothing's going on, you need to use sounds that require attention or assistance or a reaction from other elk. So that's what I turn to. I'm turning to that type of material, not just being a sounding board. If you heard a bull, let me give you an example. If you if you were walking out there and you heard a bull do this right here. That's all you heard. And he sounded like he was, you know, 800 yards away. You barely heard it. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that you can make an you can give a bugle yourself and that bull answers you? Honestly, it's hard. He kind of gave a little lazy, nonchalant, mm-hmm. you know, feeling his oats a little bit, kind of. I mean, he's just a little hard. Yeah. If he answered, you'd go, oh, great. But what are your expectations on, on a scale of one to ten? Probably a one or two that he I, I'm going to try and see if he'll answer because I'm not sure where he was. That sound came out of nowhere. You know how it happens. It's like, was it there? <laughs> no, it was over there. Hey, but you can't get him to say anything. And so mm-hmm. what if you heard this bugle? Angry. See, you heard something more aggressive and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, OK, get ready. Listen, listen. I'm not sure where it came from, but this guy's going to answer me. I mean, because you can tell by his mentality, the tone, his emotion. This guy is something that's going to respond back, you see. And so now when I'm out there and nothing's happening, what kind of sound am I going to use? I'm going to use something that maybe I can shock their system or I'm going to use a sound that they will respond to because I am asking for a reaction. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times then I'm going to go with something hot and heavy. I might even go with a lip ball because I can get something out of them where a softer or cow call, which they could care less about. And a lot of times during September, they just don't care until they start getting those first uh, smells of, of estrus in their nose. Now it excites them. Now as they hear cow sounds, why does it excite them? Because they, they've had that sense, that smell of, of, of the estrus. They can taste it with their mouth if they're close enough. It's a pungent odor. It's, I've even done it. I've even been where, where I was around them so strong, like a barnyard, that I swear <laughs> I could taste it. And I'm not an elk, but they're, 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 you know, uh, their palates are much more sensitive than mine when it comes to something like that. But they can. And a lot of times that's why you'll hear a bull start glunking. Is, is, is he slapping the, his tongue against the roof of his mouth? And he's and, 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 and he's right in the midst of he can tell you just don't hear bulls glunking anytime outside of breeding season. They just don't do it. So but when you get bulls coming in and they're starting to compete, you'll hear the more the glunking can happen. And it's usually from the more mature bulls because they're the ones that are getting close to one another. But the point is, is that you understand when a bull glunks, why he glunks. Why does a bull pant? You see, he only does this for specific reasons under specific situations. It, it creates excitement when a bull's getting worked up, whether he's dealing with a cow he's trying to call and she's not coming. A lot of times he'll start panting. If it's a bull he's trying to keep away, he can use the same pant. Same thing because it's no more than an emotion. It's not it's not like we're talking. No, it's an emotion. And so he's showing a sense of excitement. The same as would you ever yell at a woman and a man? Do you change your yelling? If they're both pissing you off, no, it's the same yelling, raising your voice or whatever it is. And that's all they're doing is they're showing their 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 excitement for that 
situation they're presented with. Cower bull makes no difference. So once you understand that this is why they glunk, this is why they pant, why do they chuckle? Because of the fact that usually that's an invite or everything is A-OK or I want you to come over this way. It's OK. But when they start grunting, a grunt is an elevation of yelling. It's now they're upset. When you hear a bull grunt, he's getting more frustrated or mm. upset. Can he do this to a cow or a bull? Well, absolutely. He say he's trying to call the cow over to him. He hears you cow call. And all of a sudden you hear the bull do this. He's trying to call you over And mm-hmm. you don't come So maybe you hear him kind of give a little And you see So he's trying to encourage you to come And you're like oh, okay I'm getting them all worked up You know and you're not moving He's expecting you to come <laughs> So now if you if he gets frustrated Because you're not coming he keeps asking you to As you continue to cow call He can now turn to grunts and he starts getting more upset because you are not doing what he's asking you to. And if the same can be reversed to a bull, he's not maybe he's not going to chuckle him in. But if he's not listening to him, he will hit him with grunts real hard to keep him at bay. Stay away. I've got cows or this is my little piece of real estate and I'm not willing to share it. So the situation you're in and the sound you hear, that is how you key in right there. So you understand what you're dealing with and you know the sounds that 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 it that is going to interest him. If I cow call and a bull doesn't say anything and I know he's there. Nothing. I lose the cow call I, because so many times a bull could care less about a cow. He just doesn't care. But get a bull into his domain. That's a whole different story. Big difference. So now I'm going to play on the bull sounds, you see, and I understand the different range of sounds and the emotion or the tone I can use to work him up and let him know I'm not going to back off whether I'm going to add raking in it or stomping or or, or or whatever, you know, I'm not going to start glunking him. I'm not going to do that. That doesn't have any bearing on anything going on in that area because I understand that it's a sound that would be completely out of place and could actually raise a red flag in his eyes, especially on these heavily hunted bulls on OTC units. So picking the right sound sequence, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the same as if I can't get a bull going, I'm immediately going to go to cow bugling, nothing else. Because a lot of times they'll give their position away when they will answer nothing else. You see, because it's a cow looking for the group or the herd. And so many times they will respond to let her know where the group is. And a lot of times when the cow, the lead cow will move off and she expects the the, the, the group to be with her, whether it's three other cows or 30, it doesn't matter or anything in between. As she moves off, she gets into cover. If these elk aren't moving fast enough and they're not there, you'll hear her give a cow bugle. And she may get excited, but she may even go to a regathering sound and, and, and see all these have a different tone. And so once you understand each one of those, you can still you can now start getting elk to respond back when they wouldn't answer nothing else. And it's because you're asking for an action or a reaction. That's what you're doing. It's the same as they would be doing if there was a separation and they didn't know where you were. And these other elk aren't going to come running to you when you give it, but they sound off. And it gives them away right there. So see, that's all I'm looking for. And then I will get in there tight and I will work my magic on them because I already know there's no cow in heat. Nothing's going on. Bulls aren't competing. They're not bugling each other. There's no bugling going on. So I already know 
what my best platform is to try to kill the bull that's in there because I'm not interested in shooting a cow. So I already know what it's what 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 sound sequence is going to be the best in that situation. And it's without a doubt it's gonna be the slow play. That's number one. And and, and I could go into other facets, but I don't want to mess you up there. But basically I'm out there evaluating. Nothing going on. I have to get creative. And you cannot get elk to answer you back if they don't exist. So you have to be where they're within earshot. <laughs> so don't blame sounds if you're using everything appropriately and correct and nothing's happening. You're probably where they're not there. And so, you know, you have to use some common sense there as well. So, Paul, um, it, it, when you were describing those situations and, and it seems like you're escalating the situation by speaking their language, is the goal always to piss them off? No. Heck <laughs> no. Because I call in a lot of bulls where cow sounds are the only thing I use. That's mm. it. Or I go right to him using them because it, it, it's funny. My son and I have this little thing between us. If a bull ever bugle or bugles or responds to a cow sound when we're out there, he's done. There is no way in heck that bull will ever escape there alive. He's, he's done. He's toast. And so how do you have that kind of confidence? Because that bull will do anything to keep that cow coming. He you can get him in, in in a tremendously defensive mode if the situation gets to that. But when you get a bull that answers your cow call even one time, he is he is completely done. And if you guys don't feel that way right now, you're doing something wrong. You know, seriously. If you're like, "Well, gee, was I don't know, I'm cow call, he's not coming." I mean, you know, that's how you think. <laughs> but seriously, and you cuz you have to understand that anytime a bull answers a cow call, he's asking you to come over where he's at. That's what he's doing. So mm-hmm. remember that. Is he doing that with every bugle you get? Heck no. In most cases, he's trying to keep you away. He's trying to keep you at bay. He, you know, we're hunting the rut. We're hunting breeding season. And so the last thing he's trying to do is call another bull in. It doesn't mean some satellites or young bulls won't accept other bulls into the group because there's already two, three, five of them. One more doesn't mean anything to him, you know. And so sometimes you'll get in those situations. I've called in as many as seven satellites at one time. <laughs> and I thought there was only one elk there. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know the others were there. They were Amazing. quiet. And I went into an advertising sequence because I knew he was there. And it can suck them over. And all of a sudden, here come one and another. And, and they're coming through the timber. And I'm like, holy cow. And we didn't end up shooting any of them because they were all small bulls. And we're mm-hmm. hunting over the counter. But they were just dinks, you know. And it was like, no. We try to take five and sixes is what we try to do on over-the-counter hunts, and these were just kind of like subpar, and it was probably early. I can't even remember, but a lot of times you'll call in multiple bulls if you're using an advertising sequence at the right time and the right place. And the right time, right place is usually when the bulls aren't saying much and you're advertising yourself in their area. Yeah, if I see bulls a half a mile away and I can skirt around and get within three or 400 yards, you'll suck them right in. It'll pull them right to you because – they don't recognize your sound. They don't know who you are, and they mm. need to get the pecking order down. They're just like horses. They need to do that. It's in their head. It's in their, you know, it, it's it's who they are, and so they need to know all the elk in their area. So going through uh, an advertising sequence at that time, it just absolutely kicks their butt. And they hardly yeah. ever do they say anything. If you if you left in 10, 15 minutes, you left too early, thinking they're not coming and you're wasting time. No, you have to really know how to play it up and you don't have to get aggressive with it. You just have to keep be persistent and you do some moaning. You're going to do some groaning with it. You see, you're just you're going to be very creative with your sounds. Maybe you're going to pop a little bit when when you're calling. You're just doing some weird stuff, kind of a. 
And that's what a lot of times early season, these bulls will sound like that. And I've sat there and watched bulls, or I shouldn't say watch, hear them, and they'll just moan, and they'll groan. And sometimes you'll swear, I, that's a guy over there. There's got to be a dude over there. And you try to sneak in, get, and it's an elk. I've, I mean, when you've hunted elk for 40 years, you see a lot of stuff. And and, mm-hmm. and and I started seeing this years and years ago, and like, my goodness, I would have swore that cheap, crappy calling was a dude. And it's not. It's <laughs> yeah, we've all and been there. And then you start freaking and just shuffling things around, and pushing the brush and rolling a few things, and you just stay with it. The next thing you know, they can't help it. They got to know who you are. And <laughs> here they come. And when they come in, it's like they have a care in the world. Nothing. They're just meandering. They look. They don't have any TVs or VCRs or cell phones. They got nothing to do. And so it's nothing to finally bring them over to check out who is this guy because they don't know you by their sound. And they know each other there by their sound. And so Mm. you're just this new guy, new elk, demonstrating uh, himself to others, including including the cows, because in time he knows breeding is going to take place. So he's just announcing his presence. He's not threatening. He's not intimidating. And a lot of times what happens is I'll get a bull coming in, usually anywhere from 40 to 60 yards. He'll stop. And all I hear is raking. And so why is he raking? Why is he raking? I'm asking you guys that. Mm. Uh, He's challenging you, right? He just wants to he wants to say, hey, show me your stuff. I want to see it. He's not challenging me at all. He could care less about challenging me. It has never got to that (laughs) stage. No, I mean, I'm being honest with you. Yeah. yeah. That's not what he's doing. He it wants you to do the same thing and size yourself up to him. He mm. he comes in and he starts raking. Elk will 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 rake for a lot of different reasons. You have to understand why. How do you know which reason to choose? It's the situation you're in. So here we are advertising ourselves and we're raking and we're thrashing a little bit. We're not getting violent. Nothing whatsoever. We're not logging out there. We're just being an elk. And so a lot of times those bulls will come in and he'll start raking. And what does he expect from you? He expects for you to show yourself. He wants mm-hmm. you to see you, him, and he wants to see you. And they size one another up visually. This is what elk do. This is very normal pre-rut type of stuff. Very, very normal. And they'll look each other over. They don't They don't have to fight. They don't have to spar. If they do, great. But it's, this is not a challenging. Neither one have cows. What are they fighting for? What's, what's mm-hmm. the winner going to get? Nothing. I mean, and so see, they're just feeling their oats at this time. And so what you're doing is you're listening for that. A lot of times I'm cow calling at a bull. And I'll get him worked up, and I and, and, and if he's not coming, I'll try to force him to come to me. So in other words, if I've started kind of like this, and I'm getting him worked up, and he won't come, a minute or two goes by, I'm going to demand him to come. And so I'm going to go. And so, see, that's a contact buzz. And this is a demanding tone that a cow will use for who, whatever elk she's responding to or talking to, communicating, cow or bull, to come over and come over here now. And that's what that sound represents to the elk. This is not an estrus sound. People want to say it is just because they want to sell something. But they haven't done the studies. They haven't been out there. They haven't watched elk doing this in May, June, July, non-breeding times. See, they're commu- it's communication. Year-round they use that tone. But so many guys don't hit the woods until September. And so when they hear it, they want to throw all these different things of what it is. 
Could it be that way? It could have been. But once you start doing all your research and you're out there with them and you hear it all the time and you see the reaction from other elk, you're like, oh, this has nothing to do with breeding. I'm mean, not breeding in May. I'm not breeding in January. And, 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 and so this is how I learned all this stuff. It took a period of years to learn all these different tones, cow or bull sounds, and trying to be as accurate and honest as possible so that guys can use these sounds. Or if they just hear these sounds, they know what's going on. So it's like me calling that bull. And now I'm trying to bring him in. Why would I go to any other sound when I'm getting positive results from him? You mm-hmm. see, there's no reason to bugle that bull. And cows, bulls can use that same sound. You yeah. know, that this isn't just cows. They both use, both of them can bugle. Both of them can make any cow sound. So this is no more than a communication tone used under certain situations. So whether I'm using that or I'm using the bugle, it all depends on the situation I'm in and how I'm going to use the sound that makes the most sense to the elk to convince them that I'm one of them, not some imposter out there that they get burned by so many times. You know, they start feeling all this out. Next thing you know, they're running, they're leaving. And guys don't understand why. It's because they get worked over and over by the same type of sounds. And yes, they've been busted and they weren't killed. And so they get educated by those things. Yeah. No, I have to I have to thank you publicly now because last year you know, I killed my bull because I I remembered hearing you say that about the, the tone of the cow. And what had happened is that it was like ten in the morning and we'd gone, I'd be chasing this bull for two, three hours, and we got up to this you know, real high spot between two kind of forks of the creek. And there was one bull going off left, one bull going right. It was kind of just that transition of the rut, you know, the 10th or the 12th, that kind of time. Um, and I started with the cow calling and he, you know, he's coming back to me every now and then. I kept getting closer and closer, but I, it was funny because it was just kind of subconscious. You know, you don't, I think we all have this temptation to think, oh, we've got this plan. But I just remembered you talking about that emotion. And I started giving him more and more of that buzz, please come. And, uh, he ran into 18 yards, and that's the biggest. Oh wow! Of my life. That's awesome. so it was such a cool. Uh, I mean, it was a lot more involved than that, right? But <laughs> no, uh, I know what you mean. So cool. I've, I've been there, so I know how all uh, that could be in the adrenaline rush, and you wonder if you oh, breathed or, or if your heart even beat in the last two minutes, or you know, if you took a breath. Yeah. I mean, it's no, that's that's crazy. that's great because understanding that and and, and see now that builds your confidence. For future mm-hmm. hunts where something of that uh, nature may come into play, you may get into eight more bulls and never require that, mm-hmm. you know, because they're all different. It's like I don't use the advertising sequence every time. I'm not using the the, the uh, cow sounds every time. I'm not bugling at them every time to bring them in. It's, it's an evaluation. You had two mm-hmm. bulls bugling like that, like you were just saying. If you told me how far apart they were, I could tell you what was going on. But basically – I can tell you that there's probably a cow coming into heat in that area, uh, and that's why you had more than one bull bugling. Mm, you know, uh, that uh, makes uh, sense because there was oh, yeah, that's one going into that valley, and then the, they all lit up in the valley. So it must have been a hot cow with that one. Yeah, or at least she's 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 starting to drip and leak, and she's coming in, and mm. you know, see, and and you can tell by the herd bull's tones when a bull has a cow that's coming into heat. You will notice that. When there's intruder bulls around, because they smell the same thing, they're downwind, they smell the estrus uh, uh, odor coming in, and they can smell the pheromones of the cow is what it is. But they can tell she's not ready to breed yet. And so, But they're excited. They're getting built up. And what happens is you'll hear two or three different bulls bugling, and maybe the herd bull will only bugle them every few minutes. 
just letting him know he's there and you keep <laughs> it bay. That shows me right there when I'm out there, she's not ready to be bred. <laughs> she's not ready. He's not that concerned. He's just keeping him at bay. But when she's done and she's ready and he's mounting her and he's mounting her several times he is hitting them tit for tat every bugle i don't care if there's three bulls and they're screaming and then you come in and bugle and he's screaming at you this guy's so worked up because it's that time and there is no way he wants to share it so see this now see now i can tell that cow's being bred right now and that is <laughs> the things i look for so when i have a situation where this bull is not answering these these other bulls every time the herd bull I know my trick. My trick is to go in and call the cow away. That's my trick because it's my highest odds of killing him. And so that's what I'm going to use. I, I'm, everything is about odds when you're hunting elk. Your odds mean, oh, yeah, he might answer this sound and this sound and this sound. But my odds for getting him close and killing him is this right here. How do I know? From past experience. Mm. It's not just a gut feeling. My gut feeling is built on hundreds and hundreds of encounters of mistakes and successes. And so now I know when I get into a bull and I can tell now my son will be with me. I go, okay, this bull's got a cow coming into heat, but she's not, she's not ready to be bred. But, and these bulls know it. That's why they're staying there. They don't want to leave. They're where the action is and, and where they can smell it. But that herd bull is not reacting enough. We need to get in. We get inside these satellites. We can't be equal distance or, or further away. We got to get inside of them. And now we call the cow away. Mm. As soon as we start to call her away, he is going to go ballistic. There's no way. Now, do I do that when the cow is already being bred? No, I don't need to go through that channel. Does it mean it won't work? No, it just means it takes longer to play out and to piss him off. And I, why what do I need to do that? I'm, I'm trying to get him out and get him to react quick and get him over to me and kill him. So I'm, I'm using the calling, the calling the cow away from him. And he knows I'm not talking to him. He knows dang well I'm talking to her. And I don't know which cow it is. There's 10 of them. I'm the satellite. I don't know which one's hot. I just so I'm trying to get her out of there. I'm trying to pull her over to me. You see what I'm saying? Is is, is these mm -hmm. bulls get in there? It's not all ten of them are hot. Only one of them is, maybe two. And so he's trying to get her to move to his position as he expresses dominance, a dominant structure in his sound. You see, and that is why the only reason she would leave this bull to go to this bull. If you walk in there and you're afraid you're going to run the bull off and you give this wimpy little spike squeal. She's not going to come out and the bull's not going to take you very serious. You have to go in there and you have to be uh, 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 something that is he has to be defensive with. You have to be a dominant structure there. You got to get him to react. Let him know that you're forced to be reckoned with or he will not make a showing. He doesn't care. He knows that you're you're nothing and she's not going to come either. And so you see you need to be able to know how to call that cow away. And that's where Panton comes in huge. Even a few glunks, you see, along with your bugle. But I always start off with the cow sounds and go straight to the bugle. And I don't know if you've ever heard me do that, but that's what I do. It shows that it's the bull making these sounds, not a bull with a cow. So you have to do it all in one motion. You see, if you go in there and you cow call, and you leave it at that, and then you bugle – it's easily uh, accepted as there could be a cow and a bull over there. But when mm -hmm. you watch a bull do it, you'll hear a bull as he's trying to call the cow away. And I've watched this many times. And you'll he'll go something like this. He'll go. <coughs> All one huh. note. He doesn't stop. 
And now there's no question in your mind that was one animal that just did that. And when you do that, what does the herd bull think? He knows what you're doing. You're trying to call the cow away. He wasn't – you weren't talking to him. You weren't threatening him. You weren't challenging him. He knows what you're doing. You're trying to call the cow out of there. And Mm. does he like that? No. No, he does not. (laughs) And so the minute he answers me, I'm already ready for him. I know what he's going to do. He's not really answering me. He's responding to me and because of me. And so I immediately will give him a short challenge, really short. I need to have room to build this uh, escalate at all because most of the time you give one bugle, he don't come running in. If he does, that's wonderful. But most of the time you got to work him up. So now I'm sitting at 80 yards, 70 yards. I've even done it at 125 yards. You know, it depends on the openness of the terrain. What can I get away with without being busted? And so I'll hammer and the minute and the minute he says something to me, I'll just kind of go. You see, that's it. Mm. No more. I'm just going to get him, let him know I'm not backing up. I'm not leaving. I'm right here. And then I immediately go right back to my cow sounds. And I, this time I might go. You see, and so I'm trying to call the cow. I'm not talking to him. I'm trying to express my excitement and my urgency and and, and what I'm feeling. And that's how you have to do it. And so you can keep building it up. And so many times I'll go ahead and I'll just give a few little glunks. After I do that once or twice, if I haven't got him just storming in and hear him crashing to me, is is I'm going to try to make it a little more real. And sometimes I'm doing it with the tube. Most of the time when I'm in that situation, I'm doing it with my mouth. I'm not using that little – I have the little tube right? that really does a mm-hmm. good job. But I have a bugle in my hand, a reed in my mouth, and so I'm, I'm, I'm usually popping my lips like you're trying to spit a hair off your lip. Kind of <laughs> And, 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 and that's all it has to be. You don't have to get 30 of them. He knows what you're doing. And then maybe you'll pan again through the thing. I mean, you just make all these little sounds and then just scream behind it again. And all it does is sell him that you're really an elk there because hardly ever hunters, they just don't do it. They don't even know what each sound represents. So I'm showing my excitement and I may moan through it. And again, just barely touch your reed as you kind of go. You see, and a lot of times a bull will do that as he's right at the end of his breath after he's done a couple of glunks and then he's done a couple of pants. You could even go into some light chuckles and then give that little moan, and it's all directed at this cow. These are not challenging, intimidating sounds. You're trying to suck her over, at least to give you an appearance. You want to see her. You want to scent check her. I mean, this is the rut, man. And and, and so you're selling yourself as a real bull right there. And a lot of times I'll start raking, which was I was talking about earlier. So as I'm raking, why am I raking? Because I'm showing off for her. I'm displaying. I'm in a displaying action. This is not raking for the bull. This Mm. is raking for the cow. I'm trying to impress her and show off for her. This is how he shaves and splashes cologne all over himself like a guy at a bar (laughs) trying to pick up a girl. This is his style of doing it. And when the bull responds, then you turn your note, your emotion, and your tone to him with I mean, you really can nail him with it, you see, and then you go back to trying to court the girl and and call her over to you. But usually this is only two or three times. I mean, it's mm-hmm. done. 
He's, yeah, he's on coming his way. over. Oh, he's yeah. screaming. And now I can direct it, my sounds to him, and I can even give him a lip ball. A lot of guys will tell you a lip ball is exclusively for calling cows. Once again, it is an emotional sound. It's the, the situation he's in. So if a bull wants to hit a short lip ball with a scream at the end, I mean, and it's fierce, you he, the bull knows he's talking to him. This is not at the cow anymore. This is, and, and, of course, it followed his sound. Or you're cutting him off before he's even done with it. Yeah. Now it's mean? personal. So, it's about his mom. Oh, right? absolutely. Great, great, great word. That's exactly what it is. You see, you see, you don't give him time to think about anything. It's just boom, boom, boom. And sometimes when they're turning allows, the I'm moving in as I'm doing this. I'm getting closer, closer, closer. And he's trying to tell me to stay back. And it's just all he can take. And guys, we've killed, what, over 70 herd bulls uh, between us in here. And these are the things that we do. We don't just use one set of things. So in, in that situation, I'm trying to call the cow. But if the bull was all worked up and he was heated because he has a hot cow and he's in the breeding mode with her, it's just straight challenging. That's just all there is to it. You have two things working for you. You have a cow that's hot. He doesn't like the fact you've broken that 100-yard comfort zone. He does not like it at all. And that's why you see the other bulls outside of it. And is he chasing and running after him? No. He keeps him at bay. Why is he keeping – why is he not running after him? Because they're doing exactly what he's asking them to. Don't you come any closer or else. And they already know they can't whip Joe the herd bull there. That's why they're over there. They're trying to call the cow out. They're not trying to challenge the herd bull. They are trying to demonstrate dominance and strength and call – and this is what the cows are looking for. The same as a, 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 a doe. When she comes into heat, she's looking for the bigger bucks to mount her. She's not looking for the forkies and the spindly little three points. She will actually push them away or run from them. And a lot of times if an area, if that's all that has to offer, that's what's going to mount her. Just all there is to it. Same with elk. But in this situation, there are choices. They're being vocal. And so this is what is happening here. So when you represent yourself in the right manner. And you're not going to be pushed around and you're using these good, strong tones. And you see guys like Jason Phelps and Dirk uh, Durham. You see how good they are, how how strong. And they're doing it at the right times. Now, if they're going to start doing it to every elk, which they do at times because, you know, they get into a lot of elk. And if they push some, they don't care. That's fine. But But you'll notice their tones are very powerful and they're very good at it. And so that's what you want to try to demonstrate from uh, when you're when you're working that situation. But if you're going to work that same situation too far away or on any elk because you heard a bugle, it's a huge mistake. You're not going to call that bull in. Nine times out of ten, they're going to either shut up or they're going to go the other way because the situation was not presented right. It, 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 there was no hot cow there. They just heard a bull bugle. And it's the same would apply to me if I did the same thing. And I heard a bull bugle and I went in and gave them both barrels just every time. I'm going to lose out on a lot of those. How do I know? Because I lost out on a ton of them, and I realized I needed to make an adjustment because I'm not finding as many elk as I used to and it, it, over the counter. And so it's just I need to find – when I hear a bull, I fully expect to call that bull in. I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring him to me. Of course, in most cases, I have to cut the distance. I have to get over there where he is. And and, and, and so if, if I'm working a single bull, whether he has cows or not, I have to understand the mo the emotion I'm hearing and how I can play this bull, how I can take a bull that made one little bugle and turn him into an enraged monster within 15 to 20 minutes. And, and, and that's what you do. That's where that slow play comes in. Then there's the advertising. There's the breeding sequence. They all have their time to be used. Everyone has their spot. And that's why I like to – 
say, okay, if you want to go full sand and challenge a bull, there's a situation for that. There's a breeding uh, sequence situation. There's a slow play situation, and there's an advertising. There's really only four, and you can mix and match. You can do whatever, but everything outside of that is just for fun. If you want to do a blind cold calling where you're just sitting there making a bunch of sounds and hoping something sneaks in, you know, anybody can do that. But when you're into elk and and, 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 and you know they're there and they're vocalizing even just a little, one of those four is going to be the top dog. It's going to be the one that gives you the best odds. And, of course, that comes from experience. So challenging. You know there's a hot cow. Breeding sequence, there's a hot cow and there's satellites around and you're just hoping to kill a bull. So you go straight to the breeding sequence and you'll suck those satellites right in. But you won't suck the herd bull in, only the satellites. And I know that. So now I see elk. Maybe I heard a bugle. Maybe I saw them off in the distance and I know they're there and they're not saying anything. I'm going to get in their space and I'm going to advertise. I'll advertise up to 45 minutes. They will come. You have to be patient. Once you see it work one time, it will give you the confidence that, yes, if they came in in five minutes, that's wonderful, but they don't. And so I have to play that, you know, by ear like that. So you see, I'm using each one for a specific situation. I'm not using a breeding sequence on every bull. I'm not using a slow play. I'm not using a challenging or advertising. You see, each one has their spot, has their place. And when you realize what when to use each one, for a specific bull, your call-ins will be off the charts. And I'm not kidding you. Instead of being one-dimensional hunter and just giving some cow calls and bugles, cow calls and bugles, and hope it works, that's a one-dimensional hunter. And those are the 92% out there that aren't killing elk every year. Those other 8% are the ones that are, are usually filling their tag. So understand when you need to use each one of those, and then understand the sounds that are used in an advertising, in a breeding sequence. In the slow play or full uh, full sand challenge, just understand what each one represents. And when you hear an elk respond back, and you can listen to him, and you can tell where you're at, or you know when you're yelling, say you're talking, me and you are talking, and all of a sudden I start to raise my voice. You can tell my emotion is changing, and yours starts changing, and then we get a little more elevated, and then we get a little more mad. You see, and that's what elk are doing with their tone and their emotion. They're raising their voice. They're not yelling right off the get-go. Maybe we walked in on a situation that's been going for an hour, and, we, and that's what we first thing we heard. doesn't mean that's how it started, but you see, so as you start mm-hmm. understanding – it's like a dog growling because he sees something. He's like, Rah! and if it gets closer and closer because it's not accepting his warning, he can get much more vicious, much more vicious. And, and, and this is what elk are doing with their sound. Does this make sense to you guys? Yeah, yeah, it does. Sounds like there's a, a lot of different or the four main kinds of situations, but then you have to play them unique to the situation. Is there? That's it. That's all. It's really not that hard. It's picking the right <laughs> club for the shot distance when you're golfing. That's right. all it is. Yeah, you're picking the right club for that distance, and in this case, you're picking the right sound. Uh, oh, you mentioned so the 209 elk in 31 years. That's incredible. Is there a specific situation that happens more often, or does does it depend on the time of the year? Um, that's a really good question, actually. <clears throat> I think you know people all want that magic wand out there, mm-hmm. and and they really do. And so when I first came out with that slow play. I think how long ago was it? Like four years ago when I find I, I've used it a long time, but I just never shared it because I, I was so I, I knew how deadly it was. The slow play is absolutely the deadliest uh, sequence I've ever came up with. And, 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 and there's no 
there's nothing else out there that equals it. Nothing. And so people start using it all the time because of its effectiveness. When I talked with Cody that one time, he told me he had approximately 150 people that took the time that came into him, hunters, that had killed a bull that year after they heard that first podcast I gave. And so that's a lot of elk. And how many didn't even take the time? And I also had that many that told me the slow play was absolutely phenomenal. I, I can't believe I've never decided, you know, never realized if you put something like that together, it was so automatic to elk. And it is. But it's got to be the right situation. You got a herd bull and he's got satellites hanging around screaming. I'm not going to go to the slow play. It doesn't mean it doesn't work, but it's too slow. That's not the time to use it. The slow play is designed for that lethargic situation, for that bull that maybe gave one or two bugles and he won't say anything else and you know he's right there. Or you see him slip into the timber. No sounds at all with cows or by himself. The slow play is so deadly on that guy. All you have to do is administer your sounds in an in a believable arrangement. That's all you have to do. You don't get carried away with it. You take your time. And once he answers, and he does, and I can say this from so much experience with it, is he eventually answers something. He will say something. And when he does, you just sunk the hook in him. You got it. Now it's just up to you to play it out. Don't get overly aggressive too fast. Let him have his input. And as he starts to engage, you will see his emotion rise. And it'll rise more and more. And it's because of how you're representing yourself. And so what I like to do, I am not the guy that mimics a bull. I could care less about mimicking a bull. You know why? Because I don't kill enough bulls by letting them run the show. If I mimic the bull, that means he's calling the shots. That's exactly what he's doing. And so I don't want the bull to call the shots. I take that away from him. Even if he starts doing it, I remove that from the equation, and now I put him on the defense. If you want to start killing elk every year, put him on the defense. Don't let them put you on the defense and they play offense because they'll beat you up every time. You'll get into a ton of encounters, and they're exciting, but you're not walking away with a punch tag. You're walking away with some experience, and it was fun, and you've got some vocalization, and then the next thing you know, his bugles are getting further and further away because he knew something was wrong. The point is, is once you can get him. So you said you talked earlier about do I try to match the bull sound? What if I'm cow calling the bull? How am I going to match the sounds? Forget the cow call and just go to a bugle? No, why would I do that? He's trying to call me. And so I'm moving in and calling and letting him know that I'm giving him what he wants. He's asking me to come and I'm getting him more excited as I chirp more and get in and I'm hitting brush and breaking a little few things as I'm going at him. Just like a real elk would, a cow is not sneaking in there. She da 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 da. She don't care, and I'm hitting on. So I'm being natural. I'm not running at him every time. Sometimes I will if I think he's getting very excited. And now he's panting and he's and he's chuckling at me like crazy. I mean, like 10, 12 chuckles. I mean, this guy is really getting excited. And so I will advance quicker, you know, if the or, or occasion arises. But what if he just gave me a weak bugle and a couple of chuckles? I've cow called and moved 50 yards, and I've cow called a few more times, and he hasn't made another sound. Okay, I'm going to tone it down. I want to be natural. I'm going to slow my movement down. I'm going to meander left, right, a little bit more, and I've got my eyes peeled at I'm not going to get busted by something that I don't know is there and get tunnel vision on his last sound because I've you know, been burnt by that too many times. A spike there, a cow there, I didn't even yeah. know because I heard his sound over there. So now, you know, you, you, you start smartening up. You hunt a little smarter. 
uh, not just harder. And, 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 and you start looking for those things. And then when you move in, a lot of times you can request, I go to the contact buzz. But do I have to do it aggressively or abrasive? No. I may just give a soft one. He knows what it means. Now, I can get more aggressive with it and raise my tone if I want. Like you see on the app, you'll see that contact buzz where that cow goes nuts looking for the elk she had heard. The, the, in, in, in that context, I actually talked to the two hunters that sent me that clip and what happened, how she was in that situation. And it was really cool to talk to him and this and that. And anyhow, but that's what you're doing is you're using that form of communication. If you're all you're doing is giving a cow sound, what are mm-hmm. you sending? What is the message you're sending? Nothing. You're just saying there's a cow there. But if you want to go to the regathering sound, you see, that's where you're going to drop your note. And a lot of times I will. I'm trying to call her over. I want her to come. I want him to come over to me, but I'm not being demanding. I'm just saying, hey, come on over here. Hey, no, I want you to come over this way. You see, the same as if you're talking to another person. But if you get insistent and demanding, you're going, no, I want you coming over here, period. There is a direct you know, uh, thing there. There's no question about it. But when a cow is just saying, I want you to come over this way or let's, let's go this direction, she'll go like this. She'll pick it up instead of going. It's like normal talk. No. She'll raise her voice and she'll drop her note. And she's trying to tell him to come over or other cows or whatever else she's communicating with. She's telling him to come over. So if it starts going to the contact buzz, that's much more urgent, much more demanding. And normally I like to I like to lead into that instead of just pop it out with the contact buzz, unless I've already got him going. You see, now I can do that. And so I like to follow the sequence just like a real elk would do or people as they slowly raise their voice because of the situation or distances involved. You know, and it's just like when I've talked about the slow play before, when you start with the slow play, you must absolutely must use your 10 foot to 15 foot voice you cannot throw these tones way out there like you're trying i'm afraid the bull won't hear me oh he'll hear you but you it's just you and the cow it's not you and five cows it's you and a cow and that's how you're convincing him that you have that cow who she is coming into heat because of your sounds that you're introducing proves to him you have a cow coming in to heat right there and he, boy does he want to scent, scent check her i promise you he wants to whether he jumps to his feet and does it right then or it takes him 15 minutes to finally be convinced through your sounds you're displaying through the raking through the moaning through the panting through the glunking through her sounds that's the whole array it's a displaying action that a real bull will do with a cow and 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 and, and i had watched him do it for years and i'd used portions of it before but then I got to realizing, man, why am I not just putting all this together and doing it on elk that I know are there and see what happens? And, man, it was just de- – it was like a magnet. All <laughs> of a sudden, these bulls that would take us harder or longer to call in or weren't calling in at all, all of a sudden they would fall to it. And now it's falling to it for everybody, and and they will if it's the right situation. And, and so – it started working so good that people started applying it to everything and anything. And yeah. I really wish they didn't do that because they think it's the magic wand and it really isn't. It, it's if it, it's encounter specific. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And uh, Paul, so you, there were so many different scenarios and like translations that you were able to give us uh, during the podcast. Um, and I know you, we mentioned the app a couple times, uh, both Baxter and I have it. I don't think I've seen anything like it out there. Uh, could you describe the app for those people who don't know what it is? Well, it, it breaks down, you know, all the elk sounds, the sound, all the cow sounds and all the bull sounds. It will show you. Uh, it, it will explain to you and you can hear elk giving, you know, anywhere from the nervous grunts to pleading elk sounds to separated lost cow and calf. Uh, the contact buzz, you're going to hear real elk making these sounds and much more. And then you're going to hear me give these sounds. So you can see, you know, the human rendition to the real elk. And we do really well with the human rendition, even though we're not real. And, and and so it shows that you don't have to be perfect, but be as believable as possible. And the same carries over into the bull sounds. We break down uh, location bugles and challenge bugles and roundup bugles and, and grunts and chuckles and the pants and the glunking. It's all on there. And you're going to hear real given and myself. And there's also going to be roughly a 90 second video uh, where I'm giving each sound under each name. Say you go to challenge bugle or contact buzz. I will show you how I'm making that sound uh, with a read. And, and it's usually about 90 seconds per video, roughly. So you have an idea to not only make that sound, but how to make that sound. And then there's a tip section that shows you uh, what that sound means to an elk, when you would use it, what the message is they're sending. What do I do if I hear that sound? When do I use that sound? And every sound has that. Then it has a recording feature where after each sound, whether it's myself or an elk, right below it, it'll have a record feature where you can now try to match that sound or imitate it, whether it's any cow sound or any bull sound that's on that app. And so now you can deliver the sound, hear it, and then play it next to a real elk right there. And it will show you where you might need your work, where you need to polish up, or you sound fine. There's no problem with that sound. It sounds as believable as anything. So it, it helps you, you know, in that realm. And it also goes into when and where to hunt wallows. There's photos of it. It talks about full moon hunting. Uh, it goes through the sequences as far as the advertising sequence, the breeding sequence. There's video clips of it. And, and, and I mean, there's so much more on it. There's there's all these things that are on this app that is going to help individuals to shorten the learning curve. And, and the number one thing is to understand the sounds that elk make. Be, basically, you're trying to learn that language. You're trying to understand it. And once you once you do, you'll start realizing that the elk have that language and this sound means this this sound means this this sound means this and you'll understand when a cow will use uh, that cow bugle i even have sequences where you can convince other elk especially bulls that there is no bull in the area with these cows you can have the cow be the leader i use the cow bugle at that time and the other cows are chirping in it's just another sequence and it's very convincing to a real bull that there's no bull in that group and so a lot of times you can suck these bulls, whether they want to respond back or they just come sneaking in, especially if you know there's elk in that area. And and, and again, we're, we're hunting for five or six point bulls in, in a lot of over-the-counter units. You can expect that. They're maybe not monster bulls, but who's looking for a monster when you're hunting over-the-counter? In most cases, you're just trying to fill that tag and a, and a lot of time. So it's just another way to use 
a sequence that can help you when nothing else might be working. But when you go to that cow bugle, I'm telling you guys, it's one of the most deadly sounds I use, and I use it every year. And for those who don't know what it is, this is what a cow bugle sounds like. And and, and what's interesting about a cow is a cow will give this anywhere from two to six times in a row. And you don't hear bulls ever doing that. It's a, But a cow will. And she'll give this tone right here. That's about what she sounds like, like a spike, but it's a cow. And she'll do it over, repetitiously over and over and over. Now, how many bulls you ever see you do that? Usually they'll give one. Sometimes you'll give a double bugle. And more times than not, they're heated. There's a reason for it. There's, they're, they're upset. They're frustrated. But a cow, she's in search of, you see, or she's looking for other, or she's trying to bring the group together because they did not respond to maybe a regathering sound or just the first bugle. And so this time of year, and like in July and August, if you guys can get out there, this is when you'll watch those cows bugling. Hmm. And because you'll get in these groups where there's 50, 75, 150, what people don't understand is that group is not one group. It's like eight to 10 groups. And each cow has their own set of cows. That's what they have. Each one, they just come together. These nursery nursery groups all gather together because they're they're herd animals, and and this is what they'll do. And they'll hang together. It doesn't mean at nighttime they all go in their own way. No, they're all together. But when you watch them and you pay attention, you'll notice these cows that are bugling and these cows that are making these little regathering sounds and even contact buzzes. That there's little groups of four or five over here. This one has seven, but they mingle together because their calves are all there too. But you'll notice that as the rut picks up. These little groups will separate because a bull will pick up a group. The bull doesn't come over and pick up 100 cows. He picks up that little group or calls that one away as he's now going to be the man of the house, so to speak. And there's four cows with it or there are eight cows or 15 or whatever your area has. And that's what's going on. This isn't one great big monster group. It appears to be, but there's a bunch of small groups that combine that. And so these cows, you'll watch all these different cows bugling. It's not just one. And they're in charge of their little group. Just like if a, 10 families got together and mom is doing all the talking. Does mom lose track of who her three kids are? She doesn't know if she hears them. Well, of course she doesn't. She knows who they are. I don't care if there's 30 kids out there. She knows her kid's voice. Well, so do those cows. She knows who belongs in that group of hers, and they recognize hers. So when she's talking to them and, and communicating to them, she, they all know each other in their group, even though they're mingling among, amongst each other. And so they don't forget what group they're in and go with this one over there. I mean, no, that's not how they are. So when you see that, and how do I know this? Because I spent so many dang years unraveling this by mistake. I didn't know that's what was going mm-hmm. on. But as I saw it and I became familiar with it, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so simple. It's just like a bunch of families getting together. And then when they do go their way, their family, each family member stays with the family. And that's all they were doing. And so it was so interesting and cool to realize that. But if you were never there and never saw it, how would you know? How you have to no way. How many people on this earth really study elk to that? They did nobody. They're just going by sounds. They're going out there and bugling and screaming and cow calling, you know, and hope something good happens. But and I did the same thing. Don't get me wrong. But but as I learned more and more and more and realized what made these things tick and how I could tick them off and how when oh this guy can't be ticked off. My best bet is to do this type of a 
uh, of an arrangement because it's going to give me the highest odds for success. Highest odds for success means highest odds of a close encounter. That's what I'm referring to. I mm-hmm. need to get them to come into my boat range. And, and, and our, my, my son and I's average shot is 23 yards. That's, our furthest shot we've close. ever killed an elk is 50. But most everything is a top pin. Uh, the bull I killed last year, I shot him at 25 yards I, on September the 2nd. He was bugling his way up. He bugled enough times on September the 2nd. We never hear bugling September the 2nd hardly ever. But he bugled just enough times that we were able to finally close the distance and get in the area he was in. And he bugled two or three times from one spot. What did that tell me? He was where he wanted to be. Otherwise, his bugles were still in a different spot or higher to the left or right. And this is what they'll do a lot of times as they're going to their bedding area. Generally not that early on over the counter hunts, but we just happened to be in an area. We'd never hunted it before. We went in there thinking this is, this looks like a good spot. We, we, we've all, we've often talked about going over there. So we did. And this bull, he must've bugled over a half a mile away. And my son didn't even hear him. I, he thought I was making it up. It was so far away. I could just hear a peep. And at 66, I don't hear as good as him, let me tell you. But I knew <laughs> I could hear that high tone. And finally, he said, I did hear it. He was so far. We just cut the distance, made our way. And we bugled a couple times. And he did respond. Not not in a defensive manner he was just a response and so we could tell that and so like i say he was kind of going up the mountain up and we were on the other side and we finally closed the distance as kind of the direction he was going and we were high and we just kind of moved over crossed the drainage got over the other side and finally i heard him bugle a couple of times and it was a i can't believe uh, understand or, or realize what it was nine nine thirty that's right about the time they get to their bedding area. <laughs> and so I knew right then, I said, okay, we're getting really close to his bedding area. This is this is where you kill him. I don't like killing him outside of that area. I like killing him in the bedding area. And so it doesn't mean I won't kill him outside of it, but but get him in the bedding area, and they don't want to leave it. They're there for the next seven hours. I mean, they go, don't go anywhere unless you run them off. And so once he got in there and I heard him respond a couple of times, we knew he had him. All we did was get in tight. We got within 125 yards, I believe it was, and I was only a short distance from my son. And we always call for each other just because we enjoy it, not because we have to. We could have both killed that bull. That bull walked right between us both, and we're about 35 yards apart, and the bull walked right between us. And most of the elk we kill, either one of us could have killed the bull. That's you know We don't set up very far from each other because we don't need to, and most of the time, you know we know about what we know what the wind's doing, so we try to create that uh, – uh, uh, type of setup where he's going to walk in a certain spot and and here he come around and i watched this bull actually coming from about 90 yards in and out of the timber i saw him coming out at 90 80 70 60 oh, so 50 cool. 40 and at 40 i drew and i saw a spot as, as in the trees it's coming in he's coming through the timber and my son screamed a bugle about that time, he just no cow calling to call this bull in. And it, what happened was basically is we got in his domain. Okay. Mm. He didn't have no hot cows, nothing like that. But we got in his domain, and it was his domain. And what and a bull and a, and, and a bull at these times they do not like sharing that domain. And so they'll come and push an intruder off, or at least go size him up. Who am I dealing with? I don't know who you are. I don't recognize your sound. He knows the bulls in the air, but he didn't know this one. And so he came in, came in, and I saw this little spot. I had ranged a couple spots, and I ran. As soon as he hits that, it's 30 yards. I'm going to stop him right there, and I'm going to kill him. I'm at full draw. 
boom, boom. Here he comes to 30 yards. As he did, there's a depression in the ground that I could not tell was like that. And as mm. he came in to my spot, I was going to stop and kill him. All I could see was the top of his back and his neck <laughs> cracked. And I could tell it was this nice six point. And I'm like, well, you know, that kind of threw me for a second. Hey, wait a minute. I can't stop. I can't kill him right there. So now I'm looking ahead as fast as I can. And he's walking quick. And I'm thinking, man, where's my next spot? My next spot, I'm at full draw, you know, to myself. And I'm just mm-hmm. doing this more as calm and collective as possible. And as he came through, I saw the next spot and it looked like, oh, that's about 25. You know, I know he's closer. He's closing the distance, trying to creep over to where my son is. And as soon as he got to that spot, I thought, I'm going to stop him right there. I'm getting ready to nervous grunt him. And that's my favorite sound. I nervous grunt, freeze him in their tracks and kill him. But as soon as he got to that spot, I was just getting ready to make that sound because I have a reed in my mouth. And there was a log there that I did not see. And he <laughs> stopped at the log to step over it. Well, that was it. That there was you it. go. Yeah, that's right. It, it was Amazing. just like everything was a fraction of a second. And tr- I sent a viper trick right through him and stuck in the ground on the other side at 25 yards. And he didn't go very far. But perfect. that is how we took care of that bull. We knew we got in on his home turf and he was going to defend it. He did not, not, not like another bull. Uh, and, of course, we did not back up with the, the sounds so when he bugled and we cut him off as as a matter of fact that bull cut my son off twice himself on september the second <laughs> so we knew right then it was game on he was going to make the move he was going to come all the way over because he was going to try to push that bull out of there or at least look him over and that's all you're asking for you're asking for that close encounter we had given a couple of cow sounds prior to that and he never made a sound nothing so we dropped him we knew right then cow he could care less about a cow sound because you never know. Sometimes it'll ignite him. Sometimes it won't. In this case, it didn't. And when that happens, I leave him completely. I will not make another sound, cow sound, when he shows no interest. Leave it alone. <laughs> Stick with what, what the lure that is bringing him over and that he's responding to. If it had been cow sounds, we'd have let the bugle go. You see, and so evaluating a situation, what's exciting the bull, what he wants, what's, you know, making him close the distance. That's what I stay with. Sometimes it's both the cow and the bull sound. So everything you got to play, you got to see how he's responding to it. And if he's not, let it go. Don't force it. Thinking every cow, bull wants a cow. Bulls want cows. Baloney. We kill way more bulls, guys. Way more with bull sounds. Not even close. I bet you 30 of them were killed with cow sounds where the rest were all bull sounds. So amazing. don't well, get so uh, hung up on that. Yeah, no, that's amazing, amazing words. I mean, I think if there's one way to summarize this, it's that you can't, you can't just make the generic noises, right? I mean, that's the, the easiest way to understand a hunter in the woods. Yep. Is you hear the same thing over and over and over. It's about understanding those different pieces. And, and Paul, I love these, I love these conversations because I've been listening to your stuff since you know day one, I guess, right? The first well, year I hunted, I and uh, but it's so fun because it's the nuance you pick up in each of these conversations each time. The things that stood out to me now, I'm like, oh, that's interesting versus then. It's kind of – this will probably be one of the few podcasts I'm listening to a few times, so <laughs> should be amazing. But, I'll, um, I'll, give, I'll give you one little quick tip before we leave here. Yeah. When you're going to use raking on a bull, yep. make sure you make an elk sound first, especially on over-the-counter bulls. Uh, if you go in and, and, mm. and you know a bull's around and you haven't communicated and he doesn't know you're there and you snuck in, do not start raking thinking he's on the same telepathic wavelength as you because they're not. Most of the time, that bull will turn and run. So you need to establish identity 
first before okay. you ever rake. Now, a lot of times you can get away with this if a bull's just worked up into a frenzy and he thinks there's an elk out there, or you're you're doing a lot of draw hunts where they see very few hunters, and 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 that you can get away with it at times. But even then, you you will lose out. But to make it 100% foolproof, always give an elk sound before you start raking, even mm. if it's a cow sound. It just establishes that there's elk there because survival of the fittest is what elk are all about. They everything is a boogeyman to them unless identification is 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 otherwise letting them know. So if you start raking and breaking things, a lot of times they don't know what it is. You know, especially if you're in wolf, bear country, mountain lions, anything that makes a sound that they're not so stupid that things cost them their lives. So. Don't start raking because a lot of times without a cow sound, off they go. They are out of there. I've had it happen so many times in the past until oh, I realized man. you identify what is there. Even if it's just a meow and now you can rake, that just signifies there's a bull and a cow there. You see? And, and, and so just remember that. It's a very variable a very valuable lesson that I learned the hard way. So hopefully this will not cost you an elk. Uh, mm-hmm. realizing that now you have that information beforehand. Well, it's uh, this has also been a pain rec- painful conversation, Paul, because every one of these things you bring <laughs> up, I'm like, oh, I did that before. My wife and I were, were hunting and a bull bugled at like 30 yards. You were creeping in on a cow. We saw it and see the bull. And she raked right away and the thing ran <laughs> so fast. Yeah, and it happens, you see. And that's just what I mean. Bolted. I, just yeah, established. And he doesn't know what it is and he may not yep. even go far. But so it was like, you know, oh, my God, what is that? Yeah. You know, he it, ran 50 was, yards and turned. It was like, what was that? Yep. Yeah. They don't know. But if you give an elk sound first, yeah. now you, you everything will start going into fall into, you know, into play there. And you'll see it, it will help you even in future. Events, but that's pretty neat. You experienced it firsthand. Oh, yeah. No. And the one earlier <laughs> we were talking about the calling the cow. We had a cow calling back at me and they still made a way. It's just, yeah, trust me. Everyone you're saying, I'm like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so next time. That's right? how we all learn though. Yeah. That's, how we That's all so learn. fun. So fun. Um, well, we already talked about the app, the Elknut app on the iPhone store, Android store, you know, wherever it is, but what's another good place for folks to find your stuff? Um, cause you've done way more than just the app. Yeah. But the app is, is, is the latest and the most potent mm-hmm. and we are adding quite a bit more uh, to it this year, as guys will see, there's going to be quite a few videos added to it. But uh, elknut.com, that's where, you know, all our DVDs, CDs, the playbook that I wrote, you know, all those things are on there uh, available. So elknut.com is there. And, uh, and yes, I, there's no doubt that the app is it's a cool thing to have. And not to just have it, but, man, you guys, you have to – and I don't mean you two. I mean everybody. You have to mm-hmm. study it. You have yep. to go over it and grind through it and read every little thing on every tip and tactic, and you'll see that there's a method to the madness there of what, of what is going to help you to be successful. You're not going to memorize it, but if you happen to get into a situation and you have covered it, a lot of times your memory yep. will refresh it and bring it back. Or And if you can't remember, open it up because once you have it downloaded, you don't need Wi-Fi. You can use it in a hunting camp. You can use it anywhere. So you just have to have it downloaded first, and you can access it. Yeah. No, I can vouch for that. Like I said, personal experience, you know, it was just sitting there with a call reading the app and then uh, in the heat of the moment, sure, I didn't have the time to flip out the app, but it was just kind of a exactly. subliminal thing. Like, oh, I know what I should, I, you know, I remember Paul saying this, I should try that out. And uh, oh man, just uh, one we of the all learned from trial yeah. and error, you know, it's boots on the ground is it, probably the best teacher. You know, it yeah. really is. And the app just helps to 
fill in some of the blanks. Yep. There's nothing out there that's just going to be, you know, 100% every time. But the more we educate ourselves, it's I, I, you know, I always bring it back to golfing. It's like you, your clubs. You know what? Every club has a distance for you, but it doesn't mean it's going to perform every time if you don't put in the practice. It's just not going to happen. Not even your putter. I mean, if you don't practice, you're you're never going to get good with that particular club. And it's the same with the sounds. You need to practice the sound so you have that confidence to use it and not be intimidated thinking you're going to run everything off because if I make an elk sound, there's so much pressure. They're all going to run the other way. You got to lose that. Man, when I go out there, man, I am calling. I am calling. I do not mess around. It's just like Corey Jacobson. You know I me. Mean? Mm-hmm. He's, he's such a great caller, and, and he's a really a good guy. And he's out there calling. He's finding elk. He's calling in elk. Ask him. You're going to see all us guys that are very successful that we're calling. We are trying to find them. We're not calling elk out in the sagebrush where it's wide open for miles. No, we're glassing them. We're not dumb. You know, we're not going to give away our position or show ourselves. And then an elk asks us to show ourselves or call us over to them. And we can't do it because it's too open. They're going to see us. So we avoid calling in those situations. We just don't do it. We wait for them to get in the cover. Then we work our magic. So, you know, you have to be smart. There's a time to use your glass and there's a time to use your, your voice, you know, or your bugle and cow calls. Just understand what each one of those sounds represent. And, 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 and if guys do that, they're going to find it's fun. They're understanding and they're not going to forget what it went when a chuckle is used or a grunt or when they hear the contact buzz or a bull gives a short, fast roundup bugle. And he's doing it because he's nervous and because there's an issue. It's like trying to get your kids, come on, kids, get out of there. The house is on fire. You know, it's not like, <laughs> hey, kids, the house is on fire. You know, we want to get out of here. So you <laughs> hey, we should really boys. move. Yeah. And when, when a bull has his cows and all of a sudden he realizes something is wrong and he tries to gather, you're going to hear him do this right here. Real fast, real quick. There's none of this going. He's not doing that. He gives that sharp little blast real quick because urgency, demand is fast. Hurry up. There's a threat in the area. Let's get out of here. So he gives that. It's called a roundup and he's getting them out of there. And these cows, when they hear it, they know right now an action has to take place because there's there's a problem and get out of there. So they all follow and get out. So when you hear that, that's what's going on. A lot of times you'll hear a bull give that same sound as your cow calling. Usually after a minute or so has gone by and you, you're hanging up, you think the bull's hanging up, but you're not. He's not. It's you. He's asked you to come five times and you haven't come. And all of a sudden he hammers that real quick roundup bugle. He, it's urgent. Get over here now. That's what he's telling you. And you're not reading it. You're just thinking, oh, he's bugled. He's getting excited. Ah, da, da. No, next thing you know, that guy leaves because in the real world, real life, a real elk would have already been there. The cow would have already done what he asked. And he knows that. He's been burned too many times in the past. So you have to understand these sounds and when they're used and when you use them and what you're hearing. What's going on? You see, and again, I hope all this starts making sense to you guys because this is what helped us to be you know, so successful and, and, and have so many call-ins. And, and if you want to pass bulls, you can. But it gets exciting when you really have the confidence that you are going to call every elk in. 
You really will. You'll call every single one of them. It doesn't mean you're going to have a shot on them because of, like I said, angles, brush. Uh, you just never know what takes place, you know, or maybe you're a caller shooter and somebody moved and he catches that movement. It, it just takes little things like that that can blow the whole thing. But there's going to be enough good things. I, I the, the number two thing that people fail at is setup. They don't know how to set up. And, and Jason Phelps and I did kind of that little webinar on that. Mm-hmm. And it's we both agree 100 percent. Calling is just so important to us. Number one. Number two is setup. People don't know how to set up and where to set up. They're horrible at it, and they really are. I've taken so many people, a couple hundred over the years, and they they just don't get it. So I'm going to try to do more things on the app, visual, in the woods of how to set up, when to set up, where to set up. It's so Mm -hmm. important. So anyway, uh, it's those things that it's all a process, and and once you start putting it all together – uh, elk will fear you. That's just all there is to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't get you fired up. Nothing will, right? I think it's good. It's a good kick in the butt this time of year too. Get out there, download <laughs> the app, start calling, start preparing. Cause you know, what, right. what do they say? Hope or uh, luck is the last dying wish of the unprepared or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, a simpler turn, make your own luck. <laughs> there you go. Make your own luck. I like it. I love it. Well, Paul, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, like I said, probably be listening to this one a few times, but uh, it's it's good stuff, guys. So make sure to go check out what he's doing and get excited for this fall. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on. I, I really do appreciate it. Maybe we can do this again in the future, maybe before elk season. And, and I have a different set of questions or scenarios. Totally up to you, but if it works out that way, maybe we can hook up again. Awesome. Yeah, we would, we would love that. Maybe we can break down those four kinds individually yep. in, in a structured way of some kind. But thank you so much for coming on, and this was a blast. All right, thank you. I appreciate it very much, guys. All right, have a good one, Paul.